You know, it's, it's really hard to figure out what to do when your heart's full because uh, there's so much that Daddy's doing these days that it is just absolutely difficult to zero in on what it is precisely that he wants to say right now. But I think he's got something to say to Matthew Bollinger. Um, You're a man out of whom honor flows easily because God has made you secure in who you are in Him. You find no threat in honoring others. And so one of the chief power magnets in the kingdom of God is when you honor others. And because that is so natural to you, you don't even notice it when you do it often. But because you honor others, God will honor you to the second and third generation. And that each generation will launch from a higher and higher platform, building on the genetic predisposition of their father to pay honor to whom honor is due. Okay. Are we still doing all right? I want to start um, reading a little scripture, and then we'll just ramble around and see what the Lord does, okay? This scripture is found in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. There is a, there's a tremendous thing that I see poured out of the heart of God upon the earth today. He is dead set against the orphan spirit in our degeneration. He has come to eradicate the orphan spirit in us as individuals in this church as an expression of the body of Christ and in the church universal. He hates the orphan spirit because it is a result of us being robbed from the basic revelation that God is our Father. Most of what keeps us from being able to walk in the fullness of our destiny in Christ Jesus is insecurity. Can we? Could we? Should we? All of these questions that come up are from a fountain of insecurity that we suffer with because we don't know the fatherhood of God. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant to you... This is something that's just given given. Okay, I'm going I'm to ask a few quick questions, okay? These are obviously trick questions, but they're for a point, okay? Fran, when did you get saved? Twenty years ago. Did Fran get saved twenty years ago? 
theologically speaking? No. Jesus said it's finished when He hung on the cross. Okay? But the salvation that Jesus purchased on the cross was revealed or received by Fran about 20 years ago. You see what I'm saying? It was a done deal. It was done before He was a glimmer in His Father's eye. Actually, it was done before Jesus Christ actually hung on the cross. It was before the foundations of the world were laid that God purposed in His heart to redeem men. It was a done deal. See, the thing is that we have been given or been provided for many things that we have not laid hold of as of yet. We need to contend to lay hold of that for which we were laid hold of, the Scripture says. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That strengthened with might is that, you know, that little funky dunamis word in Greek, that power word that we get dynamite from. It is a supernatural indicator. Okay? It's supernatural. It's not the strength of a man's arms or legs that God is interested in. He is interested in a demonstration of the supernatural through vessels of clay. That we would be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man because it is from the inner man that we live. In our day and time, you know, there's certain areas to the soul. Man is a body, this lump of flesh. I'm gonna, it, mine's getting, you know, kind of wearing out in spots, you know. Um, you know, you can't fall and break your leg too often or you wind up limping a lot, you know. It, 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 your, your body and your spirit and your soul. Now, your soul is made up of various things. It's made up of the intellect. It's made up of your feelings, your emotions. These are the things that are part of your soul. In our day and time in the United States, we have a propensity to live out of our intellect, what we think, the education that we've received, the, our reasoning abilities. That is the, the soulish realm that we as a culture prefer. Actually, we're suspect in America of anyone who lives out of their emotions rather than out of their intellect, aren't we? Anyone who lets their emotions rule them rather than rational, deliberate decisions we consider to be unstable and unreliable. But yet there's that third area of man that is so mysterious to us that we don't actually even have words to wrap around it. The Spirit. How do you
do you describe the spirit of a man? Where is it? How many of you have asked Jesus into your heart? I want to know how many Christians I'm talking to. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? I heard a story once of this little uh, African boy. He was, I think he was a bushman from northern South Africa. And if I, if I remember the story right. But there were missionaries there, and they were, they were trying to get all the children in this village to ask Jesus into their heart. And so there was this one little boy, he was about 10 or 11 years old, and, and when they said, we want everybody to ask Jesus into their heart, this little boy cut and run. Bam, he was out of there. Well, they chased him down, and, and, and finally, after talking to him, they, they asked him, I said, well, well, why did you get scared and run? And he says, well, I go hunting with my daddy. My daddy's a hunter. And what my daddy tries to do is he tries to shoot these animals, the gazelles, in the heart with his arrow. And I know that Jesus is bigger than an arrow, so if Jesus comes into my heart, I die. Now, I'm not going to trip off on I can preach that one too. Yeah, that's really true. But, um, but you see, we... Did you know that in India you don't invite Jesus to come into your heart? You invite Him to come into your liver? It's true. When you're praying the sinner's prayer with somebody in India, you invite Jesus to come into your liver. Not your heart. Actually, Jesus doesn't come into this little muscle that's twitching up here. But in India, see, they see the liver, which is the largest internal organ, as the seat of the soul. That's where the blood is cleansed. That's what's got the most blood in it. It's, and so they see that as the center of their soul. So what you're doing is you're inviting Jesus to come into your soul. You see, we're, we struggle. We struggle to understand spiritual concepts with natural language. And that's going to be the challenge for me to be able to communicate what I really feel like God wants to impart to you today. Because it's in the spirit realm that I want to see something imparted to you today. Not your understanding, not your intellect, not your reasoning but something in your spirit because we live from the inner man, that innermost part of our being, that spirit that is within us that in the majority of Christians is severely wounded. The enemy of our soul has a tendency to cause us to interpret every negative circumstance that has ever come into our life wrongly to convince us to believe that number one, God doesn't love us, number two, He's not strong enough to protect us, and number three, we ain't worth a hoot. Well, we need, and that's one of the things that's marvelously happening in this flow of the river here in this congregation, just getting laid out, prostrate before the Lord, people's inner man is getting healed. 
And there's a revelation, an impartation that is greater than knowledge, it's greater than understanding, that's beginning to take residence down deep inside of us. This is, a, this is a great stuff. It's like supernatural. It's like being strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. When do we usually stop this service? 12.30, is that my shot? I got 15 minutes, is that right? I never pay attention to the time, but I'm supposed to when I'm talking. Okay. that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. You see, that's it. The dispeller of all insecurity is to feel ravishingly loved, to be ravished by love, to be overcome with love, to be secure that I am loved not simply because God is love and He can't help Himself, but because He finds me extremely attractive. I wanted that to sink in. Because if I can feel that way about myself, most of you guys it ought to be easy for You know, Chuck and I were once thin and good-looking young men back over at the Price's basement, you know. And they were crazy. I mean, I'd known the Lord two months when they invited me to come and do a Bible study on the book of Acts over there. Great Bible scholar. That we might be rooted and grounded in that love. Because from a position of ultimate security of who I am in Him, all things are possible to me. The insults and neglects of men do not cause me to fall apart. Because I am secure in my Daddy. And only then may we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. See, it's, it, it's, on a, it's, it's not about knowledge. The love of Christ passes knowledge. When I'm on a trip in a foreign country and my wife's not with me, I know that she loves me, but it ain't the same thing as when I come home and we... Oh, I, I, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyway. Normally when I travel for two weeks by myself, we go straight to the hotel. <laughs> we don't go home where there's a telephone. We keep the cell phones off. You know, I mean, it's just we just don't go home because there's other things at home and I want to see my girlfriend. You know, and it's one thing to know she loves me when I'm in a foreign country. It's another thing when I can hold her in my arms. That is the kind of experiential revelation that we must insist upon with the love of Jesus Christ. It is not a theory. It's not a belief. It's something that you need to get your arms around. It's something that you need to be able to touch and taste and smell. It's real. 
See, that's when you get transformed. It's not because you believe you've got a lover in some far distant country. It's because He is there whispering sweet things in your ear. I love it when He talks to me. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. You see, this is God's intent that you would be so secure in His love that all of the fullness of God... That's pretty big, Nate. ...would be imparted to you. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. I've had some pretty big dreams. According to the power that works in us. See, that power is already in you. Just like friends, salvation was purchased millennium before he got, got in on it. He realized what had been done for him. The power of God is within us to a degree that we don't get it any more than that little Bushman kid got asking Jesus into his heart. He didn't understand it. You see, we don't really realize that the kingdom of God is in us. The fullness of God is in you. Yeah, it'd be a lot more shouting if you really got it. <laughs> to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Look at this, Luke seventeen twenty one. Jesus had been out there cleansing lepers and doing stuff, you know, kind of demonstrating how the kingdom was supposed to work. And then a bunch of Pharisees came on him in verse 20. Um, and uh, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God is not an X on a map. It's not a spot. It's not a time. It's not a place. You know, Arthur, and if, if you don't know much about Arthur, come around just let just let him say his little old things and try and absorb them. And I argued with Arthur for 10, 15 years. But, but he was, has been one of the most influential men on my life. And his little cliche sayings will revolutionize the way you think about life and the world and God and yourself and everything. And then 20 years later, when you, after you think you understood him, all of a sudden you'll get it. He used to tell me, he said, Jim, it's not so much about doing the will of God as it is being the will of God. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, now who was he talking to? The Pharisees? And he says, the kingdom of God is within you. To the Pharisees? Man, they don't even belong to our holy club.
It's in you. Just like your salvation was purchased for you 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God is in you. Because the divine DNA of the Holy Spirit is in you. When you become a temple of the living God, His DNA becomes your DNA. But we have been so deceived by the enemy who has caused us to not recognize the wealth that has been poured out in us, we still have that orphan spirit just like a bad stink all over us. I used to have this dog who hated skunks, and so every time there was a skunk in the neighborhood, Duke would get into it with the skunk. And I'm telling you, man, you didn't even want that dog up under the porch when he had been fighting with a stunt. Oh, even if the skunk died, Duke lost. You know what I'm saying? And we all paid the price. Well, that's what this the orphan spirit on his children smells like to the Lord. It is not a sweet-smelling savor for us every time we approach the Lord to come and just wring our hands and say, Oh God, forgive me of my sins. I'm just so terrible. I'm such a wretched person. Stop it. Come on. The kingdom of God is in you. Holiness is in you. If God is in you, then holiness is in you, for God is ultimately holy. It's only when we believe the lie that the lie has power over us. I was reading, Lenora, I guess, left. She was writing this thing that, you know, Lenora is of Chinese heritage and she went to China recently. And, oh, by the way, I want to. A petition while I'm thinking about this. I need a ride to the airport very early in the morning tomorrow morning. I'm going, I'm going to China tomorrow, and uh, I have to leave my house no later than 7 o'clock. So I, I won't embarrass anybody asking for a show of hand, but it, you got me? Okay, missionary guy. Okay, so I need a ride to the airport. You need to be at my house so we can actually leave, be there about quarter to seven. Got it? You can do that? All right, Amy, make sure he does it. <laughs> now, where was I? Oh, Lenora wrote this thing about this temple. Now, there's this temple in China that is called the Gateway to Hell. And for hundreds of years, they believed that this was the place where souls go to hell through this temple, you know. And they got all of these demons and everything, and they take tourists in there. And um, it's a big tourist spot, the gateway to hell. I mean, I, I, if I get a chance, I'm going there. You know, I want to see this thing, you know. All right. Um, and so there's this gateway to hell, and at the end, after they've told the story about the underworld and all the demons and everything that come out of this hole, and then the souls go into this hole, what the Chinese tour guides do is they get everybody to laugh. Because they say if you laugh when you're leaving, 
the demons won't think that you're afraid of them and they won't follow you home unless you're afraid of them. So they get everybody to laugh out loud when they're leaving this temple called the gateway to hell. Do you see that? I mean, that is just... That's amazing to me. That, that Chinese unbelievers understand that the demonic realm only has power over you when you're afraid of it. Because fear is like negative faith, right? So anything that you're afraid of is giving the enemy power over you because fear in definition says, I believe this bad thing has power to do me harm. Okay, well, the Lord wants to just eradicate that out of every fiber of our being. He wants to purge that out of us with an infusion of His love and His mercy and His grace and the revelation that we are so full of the kingdom of God, we can go walking right up to the gateway to hell and laugh at them. One person got it. I've had a successful morning. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, if you really start believing that, you'll start acting different. It'll change the way you act. Now, what would you do, really, if all the power of God was at your disposal? Now, it said in Ephesians that He could do more than we could think or dream so come on dream with me a little bit let's dream a little while I love asking our missionary candidates this I always ask them this you know because this is what got me into missions Robin McMillan asked me this question about 20 years ago I guess now um, he said what would you do if there was no financial limitations on you What would you do if there was no fear of failure? You knew that whatever you stepped out to do, God would be there with you and He'd make it work. What would you do if you just didn't give a hoot what anybody else thought about what you wanted to do? Don't tell me what you think you think I think you should do. But tell me what's really in you. What would you do if you won a $10 million lottery? Now, I'm going I'm I'm to get at you now because a couple of you latched onto that and actually started dreaming with me for just a moment there. And how many of you have ever dreamed what you'd do if, if Ed McMahon came with a Reader's Digest thing? or the, you won the lot? A lot of you are so convicted you won't buy a lottery ticket. You know, but if Ed McMahon showed up with the re publisher's sweepstakes thing, you'd, you know, has any, I've done that. Everybody's done that. But um, listen to this. This is what Mother Teresa of Calcutta said. She said, Every child of God has everything they need every day to do everything in the perfect will of God. 
Let's run by that once again because you need to have that on your refrigerator at home. Every child of God has everything they need every day to do everything in the will of God. You see, we have been polluted with a mentality of lack. We think, if I win the lottery, then I could serve God like this. I could be generous. I could do exploits. That's not the way the world works. Because if we do indeed have everything we need to do everything in the perfect will of God, we need to get up in the morning and go jump up in Daddy's lap and say, what are we going to do today, Dad? You see, I saw that. The spirit of adoption. We've got some friends from New York, Barry and Beth Mivrock who came to Paraguay when we were living in Paraguay and adopted a little girl who was eat up with worms and malnutrition and all this kind of thing. And they took little Tolly and they brought her into their home and they, boy, they have created a Jewish-American princess of monumental proportions. <laughs> if any of you know what a Jap is, you know, a Jewish-American princess, she is a double Jap. You know, she's a Jewish-American Paraguayan princess, which is even better. Um, and so we were in Israel, and uh, here come it's Saturday morning, Sabbath, no school, you know. So Tali gets up out of the bed. This little girl who was adopted out of horrific circumstances and couldn't even crawl when we first got her at a year old. And here she comes. She's ravishingly gorgeous to my eyes. She's gorgeous. Long, black, shiny Paraguayan hair, you know. She comes running up out of her room and she jumps in her daddy's lap and she says, what are we going to do today, Abba? You see, she is a partaker of the spirit of adoption. She knows she belongs. And she just wanted to know what adventure her and her dad and her dad's friends were going to do that day. And man, the Lord just hit me with a deeper revelation on what the spirit of adoption is supposed to mean to us. What are we going to do today, church? I've had the privilege in, in, uh, in my travels to be in several locations where there was no outlet to the rivers, the Dead Sea, the great Puna region in northwestern Argentina. And you know what happens when all the rivers run down into one place? You see, all of those nutrients that are in a river that cause the river to have life when it's flowing become death when it's concentrated into one spot with no outlet. The same magnesium and potassium and various other minerals and chemicals that, that feed the algae and the fish and everything, when it runs downhill, downhill, downhill into a pool and with no outlet, it becomes the Dead Sea. Or Salt Lake, Utah. We won't even go into that, what's out there. You know. These big salt deposits. You are the salt of the earth. 
but you've got to be scattered abroad. You see, if we really believe that the kingdom of God is in us, we will flow with our Father. We will flow with our Father in ways that are beyond our imagination. I think it's very interesting that today a whole team of people from River Life are in Winston-Salem. Because Matt Peterson, the, the pastor there of that church, came here, I think the Sunday morning right after we came back from Argentina and we did a fire tunnel up here and it got kind of crazy and everything, you know. Well, he liked it. And he said, well, you know, I'd like to have that happen over at my place. Why don't you guys come over? Well, Lord, I just pray that right now that there would be a release of Your Spirit, a demonstration of Your kingdom, a fire would be kindled, a river would begin to flow, that Your wind would begin to blow, and that You would just cover the whole city of Winston-Salem with Your glory. Because this is not about us. All that I have been talking about this morning is not so that you and I could feel better about ourselves. It's not so that we can be secure. It is that the One who redeemed us could be glorified in all of the earth. Honored. To honor the Lord Jesus is to get up every day with the conviction in your heart that the Lord has supernatural activity planned for you that day. There's one of, John Wimber is one of my personal heroes of the 20th century. He was a great man. Uh, started the Vineyard Church movement and all this kind of thing. But in the 80s, I had the opportunity to be personally exposed to him on a few occasions. And he just really impacted me. His spirit impacted me. And, and he, he told a story once about how they were having an outbreak of the Holy Ghost in their church in Anaheim, California, you know, and things were getting a little funky. And, and, uh, and uh, so they were all just worn out, you know, basically from... I mean, you pray for thousands of people on a regular basis and, and you, eventually you just kind of get worn out. So they had had a church leadership retreat and everybody went away for the weekend. Just got out of town. I don't, know, I don't remember where they went, but all of the church leadership, everybody from home group leaders up to the senior pastor went off somewhere and hid out and just had a good time. Played golf, I think. It's good spiritual activity. It reveals the inner man. You know, and so they come back and they show up for Sunday morning church and there is this irate church member waiting on John in the parking lot. And he says, Pastor, says, where has everybody been? I started calling Friday afternoon. I called all day Friday. I called all day Saturday. I couldn't find anybody at this church. I met this guy out on the street and he was homeless, and he was hungry, and he needed help. And I couldn't get a hold of anybody in the church to help him. And he said, well, what'd you do? And he said, I had to take him home myself. 
I had to take him to my house. And John said, well, I think the church did what she was supposed to do then. It's easy to see that, isn't it? But now what happens in your heart when you see a big need? What's your response when all of a sudden the Lord takes you to a remote area of northwestern Argentina where there is this area about the size of Mecklenburg, Iredale, Gaston, Cabarrus, and Rowan counties where the gospel has never been preached in a remote area of northwestern Argentina where little girls the age of 15 are just told it's normal for you to be abused by 10 or 12 men by the time you're 15. This is just normal. This is part of our culture. You just need to be used to it. Don't make a big deal out of it. What's your response? Are you like that church member at the Vineyard Church that says, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. You see, if you really believe that the kingdom of God is in you, your response might be like this. Daddy, let me have that one. I want that one. That one's mine. Give me that one. Let me go up there on that mountain. I believe I can kick that Pachamama's booty. Pachamama is the mother earth goddess they worship up there in the mountains. What is it that comes up inside of you when you see a desperate need around you? Maybe the Lord's not going to take you to remote northwestern Argentina and show you something like that. But what is it that He is showing you? Because every day, God has given you everything you need to do everything in the perfect will of God around you. See, we have got to get up in the river to the point that we are so healed by the love of Jesus Christ that what comes up out of us is that same Spirit that's in God Himself. That same thing that is so much a part of God that He gives, that it just flows out of us. And you're just going to have to be big enough to put up with this. But just like honor flows out of Matthew so unselfconsciously that he's not even aware when it's happening, that that supernatural flow of giving and deliverance and healing and preaching the gospel is just as natural as sucking air and breathing it back out. The kingdom of God is in you, Aaron. There's supernatural activity in God's plan for you every day of your life. On the job, at home, in the nations, in the arts, in your profession, whatever it is. You see, we need to be renewed, not just in the in our mind, but in the spirit of our mind. How we approach things. 
We have to be thoroughly convinced all the way down to our DNA that I am loved by God and that His power is in me and that every day is an opportunity for a demonstration of that Holy Ghost strength in me. And maybe all you can do is open up your basement to a bunch of little ragtag, degenerate-looking teenagers like the prices did to us when we were kids. And man, I was a rough-looking character in that day. Most people in their position were afraid of me. But it has had lasting kingdom fruit. May the Lord saturate us with His love. May He ravish us to the point that we feel lovely before Him. Lord, I ask that You would totally eradicate this poverty mentality that is tied to the orphan spirit that is within us, that we think that we're poor and unlovely and a mess all the time. Lord God, get us over it. Let's get over that and go on. I mean, how often do you need to eat from that trough? Yes, the Lord wants you to feel like you're loved. Yes, the Lord wants you to feel like He's going to accept you no matter what you've done. But come on, there's more to the kingdom than that. There's exploits to be had. Adventures to be had. Kingdom extension to the nations. You can tell what I like, right? can't believe I get to do this stuff. A little redneck hillbilly from Tuxedo, North Carolina is called by God to go to the nations to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ. Go figure. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fa- doesn't that fascinate you? It fascinates me. It fascinates me. Find what it is that you were made to do. God created you with a purpose for His kingdom. Every single one of us have a kingdom purpose as our inheritance. But the only way we find it is when we are so overcome with the revelation of God's love and His security that we have the confidence to know that He has filled me with all the fullness of God and I can do supernatural stuff. Don't you just love... I like the kids wandering around. Let them wander around. That's one of the things I like best about this church. Man, I love seeing old Elijah have his baby up in his lap this morning picking the the bass with her. I mean, they just, just worship is real. It's not pretend. It's not formal. It's a flow out of our heart. You know, I love that. That's the way I want my... My friendship. You know, he, he's, he, he didn't make us His servants, but He also made us His friends. And He also made us His lovers. And you know, it's just I love following Him around. He does such wonderful stuff. He does. And He wants me to do it with Him. 
Isn't that a hoot? Isn't that a hoot? That I get to do supernatural stuff? I mean, in his heart missions for the last three years running, we have seen well over a thousand salvations each year. We've seen well over 500 to 1,000 physically visible. I'm not talking about a healed headache or something. But visible stuff like pussy eyeballs sucked back in heads and restored. and You know, stuff you can see. And medically confirmed healings every year. And we've lost count of how many people have been delivered from all kinds of demonic oppression. That's what I'd do if I won the lottery. That's what I'd do. I would go to the nations telling people about Jesus. And I would do whatever my little heart could dream with the aid of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to extend the glory of Jesus Christ to all nations. That's what I want to do when I grow up. If I win the lottery, I'm going to do that. If I don't win the lottery, I'm going to do that. Because my kingdom purpose does not depend on Ed McMahon and the publisher's clearing sweepstakes thing. It depends on the love of God and His invitation to do kingdom stuff with you. How many people want to do kingdom exploits? Lord, I pray for a transformation in our hearts and minds. Everybody who wants to be transformed, just get up and stand on your feet just a minute. and I'm going to pray a prayer over you and then I'm going to let Matthew do whatever he wants to do. Um, or Sarah. Well, whoever one of you want to do whatever you want to do. But Lord, I just ask for an impartation of kingdom revelation. Lord, I ask for such joy in our hearts as we recognize Your love for us, that we get up every day saying, what is my kingdom adventure today, Daddy? I know you've got something supernatural for me today. Lord, let that be such a part of us that it's not an effort. That it is as natural as inhale and exhale in our bodies. Let our inhale and our exhale in the spirit realm be equally as effortless, Lord. Let that life flow come in and go out, just like our natural breath. Lord, that Ruach, that breath of God, that Holy Spirit of God, let it come in and go out of us naturally, effortlessly, because of Your love, Lord. Let us be a kingdom people, a kingdom nation, Lord God, with kingdom purpose and kingdom power flowing throughout us, Lord, from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to get the worship team and the ministry team. And I just want to say one thing, too, before everybody dismisses if there is anybody in here that has not accepted Jesus into your life that if you're here and you have not actually or you have walked away and you're not letting the Lord have complete control of your life and you want that 
You want to experience what Jim was talking about. You want to know that God, that He is using you and that you would know the love of God and that you would experience that invasion of His presence in and through you. I encourage you, come forward and let us pray with you. Let us pray and see God totally transform your life. Let Him let you know how much He loves you and that you are a child of God. And so I want to encourage you, first of all, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, as your Daddy, and you want that today, come and we'll pray for you. And second of all, if you've walked away from the Lord and you really aren't living your life, you have not allowed the Lord to have control of your life and you want to surrender your life to the Lord afresh, come and we'll pray with you. And then third, if you guys are here and you just need any needs that you have that you want one of us to pray with you for, or if you just need a fresh touch from the Lord, the the Lord, the presence of the Lord could consume you and allow God to speak to you that vision and that vision that He has for your life. We want to pray for you. So I just want to ask the ministry team, any of you guys that have been um, trained and are on the ministry team, please come up so that we can just have a great time of prayer. Amen. And also, if anybody else needs prayer for healing today, you know, please come up. Don't leave here without getting, a little, you know, getting prayer. So, bless you guys. Don't forget about tomorrow night, Arthur Birch, 7 o'clock. You really don't want to miss that. And then, of course, we'll have our Wednesday night Uh, meeting as well.